Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 39 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I'm really excited because I get to bring back a guest today that Martin Rooney's positive energy is just so powerful and infectious that you guys won't be able to not walk away today and go kick ass in some way, shape, or form. Um, I've been a big fan of Rooney's stuff for well, shit, as long as I've been a trainer, uh, we talked about this last time on the podcast. Martin was a guest when I was still doing this as the fitness devil with Dean Guido. And uh, Martin, I haven't even had a chance to explain how Dean went and had a kid, so he had to give it up. So uh, pass the torch over to me exclusively. I renamed the podcast as everybody who's been a consistent listener is probably now more than familiar with. But uh, you were really phenomenal last time. And so, uh, like I said, I had to get you back. I've been reading your stuff for God a decade plus on T Nation, uh, which was one of the main inspirations for me to end up writing for them too. But it's great to have you back. No, hey, my pleasure. And uh, obviously, all that does is make me feel old. It's just, so stuff's been out there for a long time. And uh, man, it, you know, this past weekend, I got to give my, one of my first presentations in almost a year and a half since all of this challenge has started. And man, it was just great to see a little bit of the world coming back and I'm, and for all my Canadian listeners, Hey, I'm wishing everybody the best and, and, and just know it's, everything's going to be all right. We're coming back and I can't wait to have everybody back online, you know, just, and back towards normalcy. And for anybody who doesn't have a ton of background in you, um, you're the owner of training for warriors, right? That's a big fitness brand out there. Uh, I've got a friend, Matt, a friend, Matt Manti here in Alberta, down in Didsbury, and he's one of your guys, uh, locations. And then you're an author. We're going to talk a little bit about your upcoming book. First, (laughs) first, anyone gets to hear about it publicly is right here on this podcast, which is kind of cool. And you're certainly a pretty legendary coach and, um, you know, speaker leader in our industry. I got to see you in 2017 present at Luca Hosovar's event, which was fucking like career changing. I loved it. So I guess we'll get into the book, but I think this is sort of along the same lines of the theme. You know, again, you're a coach, you're a leader, and we had just had a year of, well, terrible shit. So I'm guessing everybody kind of looked to you for guidance and leadership, especially a large organization like you have. So how did you navigate that? But in particular, how did you take care of yourself and how did you manage your own energy when everybody's looking to you to hold things together? Hmm. That's a, that's actually a great question. And it's funny. Uh, hey, for everybody listening, uh, this last year and a half is I'm sure has been challenging for everyone. And, and for myself, it was the same. A couple of things uh, stand out. Uh, number one, what you just mentioned there, there's a great quote. It's uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And, uh, you know, I, uh, over the last 20 plus years, I built this organization, had so many people counting on me. And uh, I had never foreseen a scenario where people could be shut down and and there was nothing that I could really do about it. So this last year and a half, I really went internal, did a little bit less podcasting and posting and, and, and emails. And the reason was because I went within to preserve and, and save my network. And, and that took my leadership to another level. It proved to me that relationships uh, are the most important thing that we have through this process. And, uh, and we came out on the other side and I couldn't be happier because of what it taught me about what was most important. So they're now looking back, there were many silver linings. This was a, the best way I can say it is this was a scenario where you get the lessons after you take the exam. You know, usually you, you learn all the lessons, then you take the test. This was holy cow, you take the test and now you get the lessons, which I'm sure we'll cover some of those today. But, uh, 
But for myself in particular, I went within with my company and really continued to foster and develop those relationships. And that's what I advised all my TFWs to also do. And I think that's why they continued to thrive during this time. But uh, for myself personally, I dove deep into my reading. I dove deep into my writing. That's what produced the new book. But I dove even deeper uh, into my family time where as a guy that used to travel 150 days plus a year, I missed a lot of stuff and there were, and there were things that I wasn't always around for. And this gave me a huge opportunity to re-engage with my kids, in particular my oldest, and maybe the brightest shining light of this entire process is my daughter signed with Notre Dame and Notre Dame track and field. So she's gonna be going to Notre Dame in August. And that last year and a half, the hell we went through it gave me a chance to pour everything I had into my kid. And I think that that definitely uh, led to some magic that might not have happened if I wasn't around. So, so I guess I'm challenging everyone listening for all the challenges that happened. What were some of the things now looking back that were silver lining? Where, where did you improve? Where did you grow? What relationships did you strengthen? And maybe like every other form of adversity in our life, you're going to look back and say, wow, you know, I don't know if I'll say I'm glad it happened, but at the at the same time, man, I'm I'm stronger because it happened. And uh, so I definitely had a lot of those scenarios. And maybe finally, hey, and I dove into my training, man. Like we, so my daughter and I, we just we doubled down, right? Like we, I knew there was a moment where I said, hey, we can lighten up or we can tighten up, right? Like we can lighten up, not train because they're stopping us. Or we can run in the street if we have to. We can lighten up and eat junk food, or we can tighten up and get better with our nutrition. And uh, man, we chose the tighten up route. And man, it was uh, again, it gave me an opportunity to really, you know, rebuild my body, my mind, my family, everything. And now looking forward, I'm excited to push that out there everywhere. There's something, there's something fun embedded in there because obviously you're very, very highly regarded as a coach. You know, you've worked with UFC fighters. Most recently you had Jim Miller and you've got kids in sports. Like, like a lot of coaches, I think, can struggle sometimes with coaching, certainly like spouses, partners, girlfriends, that sort of stuff, boyfriends. But uh, is it any different working with your own family than it is oh the, uh, you know, like high-level athletes or, you know, the, 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 um, you've had an extensive history working with like law enforcement types as well. So how's it different with family? Well, now here's other stuff is the last four years, I've also been the high school track coach and my daughter is on that team. Three years before that, I was the middle school coach for her team. So I will say training your children when they're young, it's much easier. They listen to you. They believe what you say. And, and, uh, and you have a lot, there's a lot more fun. And my daughter in particular, as she became, uh, higher and higher level, and there was more and more pressure, definitely it can put a tremendous strain on the relationship because you have to understand, or they have to understand too, when you're dad and when you're coach. And sometimes when that gets blurred, uh, things get difficult. And uh, I wish I could say I have all the answers, but what I would say is that I would always err towards being more involved in your kids' lives than letting someone else handle it, uh, especially when it's an area of your expertise but at the same time, you have to uh, you have to understand as a parent, hey, when they're the kid and when they're the athlete, because perhaps sometimes I was too hard on her or uh, so strict playing coach when maybe sometimes she wanted dad, you know. And 
but definitely I would say we had a successful run. You know, there was one point she was top 10 in the United States in the heptathlon. Now she's going to the University of Notre Dame, one of the United States' best colleges for sport. And, and, uh, and I wouldn't trade any of it, right? Like I just gave a speech this weekend. And like you said, I have coached Olympic medalists. I cornered Jim Miller four times during the pandemic. He has the most fights in UFC history. And I'll be honest, I would throw it all away just for the results that my daughter has achieved. Like I would trade, I would trade all of it for her. And I think maybe the biggest thing I learned through this is that if all my athletes would have succeeded, but my children would have failed, I would have failed. Right. And, uh, and the greatest product or, and my favorite athlete is my daughter. And I'm uh, man. And it's probably the achievement that I'm most proud of that she was able to be successful and use what I use, you know, what I knew best versus I was never around or our relationship was strained or something. So that's the piece. But again, back to the original thing, but it is not easy. It is a challenge. There are many ways you can screw it up. And I have, but, uh, but at the same time, I would always err towards, Hey, make training part of your kid's life, make, nutrition and fitness part of your kid's life and be involved and ask questions and continue to keep that door open and communicate. And I really have always done that, but in particular, even more than ever over this last year and a half. And, uh, and I'm really glad that I did. Silver lining this yeah. year for you, if you're going to look back at it and look at all the blessings we've had. So obviously you mentioned speaking. So I think that's the speaking at West Point that you had had on your on your Facebook recently. And of course, you know, preparing Jim Miller and like, that's just the recent stuff you've been doing. So these kind of doors and opportunities, these, these things don't, they don't open themselves. You've been knocking down these doors for a really long time. What principles have you established and operated under to put you in the position where you are today to be able to do the yeah. things you're doing? Well, yeah. And Hey, and even more recent. So two weeks ago, I was the keynote for the college strength and conditioning association. So that's all the division one strength and conditioning coaches and, or all collegiate strength and conditioning coaches in the country. And then this weekend I uh, presented at Sorenex's summer strong, which was, you know, you would probably love that event. So that was just a testament to physical culture, strength training, fitness, really, really great. And yeah, it's interesting that if I were to say, Hey, how did those happen? They didn't happen overnight uh, uh, for a lot of people listening. Hey, I'm 30 years in now, right? Like I'm older than I look. And, uh, but I would think if I were to say some of the biggies, right? If we go for principles and here would be some off the top of my head. And that would have been a great question for me to have known was coming before we went, but that's why I roll. I like it. to ambush people at this point. <laughs> uh, I would say first one is standards, right? Like I have always set really, really high standards for myself. And I think that's the first key. Like if you set the standards low, then mediocrity will be the best stuff you reach. And, and then that'll be what you get. But I always said, if I'm going to do something then I want to, I want to be great, you know? And I, and I always have this philosophy that if you are great, the world will find you. So how do I end up at these events and how do people seek me out? Because I've aspired to be great. And then the world finds you, right? But how I did it, and this is a, a really neat one, You'll like this line. You ready? You ready for a good one? Yep. How I did it is not hocus pocus. How I did it is focus focus. So if I were to say how I have done what I've done, I have just been so focused where other people probably lost focus. 
when I'm reading a book, I am focused. And then what did I do? I read thousands of them before I ever decided to write one. When I would go to courses for a decade before I ever dared to give one, I would focus and just learn everything that I could learn on that. When I'm training, I'm focused. When I'm eating, I'm focused. When we're doing this podcast right now, I am focused. And that was an ability I had to develop, but that focus over time. So then you add a little consistency and discipline and man, there's almost nothing you can't have, right? So if you want to get a great, you want to be a good speaker, you got to focus. You want to be a good writer, you got to focus. And when I say focus, I guess I'm kind of saying avoid the distractions. So if you ask me, Hey, what were your favorite shows during the pandemic? I don't have any. That's not where I was spending my time, man. That doesn't make me any better. The world's not going to find me because I'm real good at watching movies. Right. And, uh, and, you know, if you say to me, hey, what was the, 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 the best junk food you ate? Or what was the, you know, wh- where did you like laying around the most? Or, you know, like those just weren't things that I did. And I stayed very focused on whether it was developing myself or developing my company or developing my skills. And so ultimately, I don't know if those are principles or skills or abilities, but those would be it. It was have very high standards, be very driven towards them. And then just use nonstop focus until those things are achieved. And if I were, you know, if I were to sum those up and, and so notice what I said there, I didn't say, man, because I'm just really highly intelligent or I'm smart because I'm not, uh, or, oh, I was born just so naturally talented that I have these gifts. No one else have. I, I don't, but what it is, is I just stayed so focused until what I wanted was mine. Right. And, uh, and anybody can do it. And I'm calling everyone out, little tough love here. And if there's anything you don't have right now that you want, you just haven't been focused and worked hard enough for it, right? And, uh, and, that, and that's just how it works. You just summarized a concept to the, the whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset. It's a theme that appears in a lot of habit, uh, sorry, talent books of yeah. recent, these books like The Talent Code that myth bust this notion that we know there's genetic components to things. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, Same without that, a doubt. a lot of genetics there. But you get a lot of these highly skilled, highly accomplished athletes and, and people are successful in other realms. And this notion that they're just innately talented and they coasted by on nothing is, is essentially a myth. A lot of these people, Michael Jordan is really famous. He's a famous example of someone who every time he was you know beaten, he didn't make his varsity basketball team or the Detroit Pistons kept knocking him out of the playoffs early in his career. He just made that something that forged him to work harder and harder and harder until he was absolutely the best in the sport. And if you really want to get anywhere in life, you really have to focus on the effort. And you, another thing that kind of goes into coaching people, and you did it about yourself, you didn't praise natural ability. You highlighted and, quote, praised the effort. If you want people to grow, if you want people to break away from a fixed mindset, if you, you, and I'm not an expert on parenting, but you raise your kids, you want them to work hard. Don't praise them on how intelligent they are and, and how smart they are. Praise them on their effort. And that's what's going to encourage more and more of that effort, which will lead to these kind of results. Yeah. And for everybody listening, that's Carol Dweck's book called Mindset. And he, Andrew just gave the ultimate summary of it where, it can actually be detrimental to tell your kid they're so great because what they say is then the kid is afraid to do anything if they don't look great. So yeah, so hey, what we say in our house, we're hard workers, like Rooney's are hard workers. Hey, good job, you're working hard. I just want more effort. Just keep putting it in. And, uh, 
and it's worked, you know, and, and here's another line that stuck out for me too. I just hit this one last night when I was reading and uh, are you ready for a big idea? Sure. I'm ready. Hey, hey you're going to be a professional at something. You're just going to decide that something. Now watch it. So what am I saying? I consider myself a professional speaker and writer now because I've spent so much time on it. But if you watch tons of Netflix, you know what you are? You're a professional Netflix watcher. You're like you're going to be a pro at something wherever you spend all your time. Hey, if you eat poorly all the time, then you're a professional poor, eat, poor eater, right? And it's just funny that wherever you invest all that effort and time, you know, you know there because there used to be this line like, oh, you got to go pro. You decide to go pro. And I had this breakthrough last night that everybody's going pro in something. It just might not be a good something. So and you get to decide that. So like, where do you want to be a pro? All I did was decide I want to be I want to be a pro in, in in this area of knowledge or I want to be a pro in my ability to write. And then I just took all the steps to make that happen. So for everybody listening, it's a it's a hard reality where, wow, if you're not the pro in what you want to be, but you're the pro in something else, then you just got to start changing how you behave, right? And we don't all start in that place. There's something I've been thinking recently, and it sort of summarizes partly how I used to think about the the, the people who wrote for T Nation is always the microcosm I use. And, I, and early in my career as a coach, you know, as a trainer, I thought, oh, there are this tier of people that are in insiders and they're the people that write for a publication like teenage they're the ones whose names are known in the industry and early on i thought oh you know never even crossed my mind hey you could be someone who does that You're like i'm i'm not the kind of trainer who gets to that level and then over time you start to discard those those beliefs that don't serve you very well and as i got out into my travels in the industry and i met a lot of the people who i've read their work for a long time or followed and then all of a sudden that those kind of opportunities started happening for me and i realized wait a second you know, those old beliefs aren't the way it is at all. And for anybody who's listening to this, who aspires there, there's no reason why you can't work very, very hard at developing a skill like writing, a skill like presenting up on stage, um, you know, start your own podcast, develop a successful YouTube channel, create your own physical facility and own your own gym or whatever combination of these things. If you aspire to having more of a presence and a leadership role and an educational role within this industry. There's nothing wrong with being that great coach with a great reputation who has no trouble filling your time slots and building something without seeking that grander notoriety. But as you know, you can create a lot of reach and a lot of ability to affect a lot of people positively and scale if you do embrace those things that you certainly have. Yeah, well, and I would even start with something for everybody listening too is and I definitely believe it all starts with passion though. So notice all the things that you just listed. Hey, for anybody listening, like if you don't want to be a writer, then don't go spend your time being a writer. If you don't want to be a speaker or you don't want to have your own facility, all of those things are okay. So don't forget, it's not what the industry says is great. And wow, I'm in the fitness industry. So I need, I need to aspire to these things. I'm challenging everybody what they want to do. So I believe how my authenticity comes through or why people like what I do is because I'm so passionate about it, where they, they know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what I love doing. Like, I love being on stage. I love trying to excite and energize someone. Now, if that's not your style or that's not what you want, then you need to go find out what that is. And that's where you should invest your time. Because I also see a lot of people in this industry make the mistake where they'll come up to me at a seminar and they might say, hey, I want to be just like you. 
And I say, really? Let, well, let me tell you about my life. And, and here, you tell me why you want that. And then you really realize they want something totally different. It's just they think they're supposed to want uh, to be something else. So the best person you can be and the hardest to be is you. And people need to figure out what that is. And uh, so I want to just make sure I said that, that, you know, this isn't like, hey, you need to go now be a writer if you want to feel successful. No, no, no. You need to find out what you're passionate about and then go be great at it and you will be successful. Boom. It can be really daunting to look at someone with your kind of energy. I mean, if anybody sets out and thinks, hey, I want to be Martin Rooney, they're fucked. They're absolutely <laughs> screwed because I don't know if anybody could, could sum that kind of energy. When I was at Lucas in 2017, you know, you did three presentations of course, over the course of three days, right? And one of them was a physical presentation. And this was a loud, high energy presentation. And no, I remember it. It was it was great. We were we almost blew the roof off that place. I think I think Luke is still fixing the structural damage on the facility. That's a beautiful dude <laughs> he's got. And I actually recently reconnected with Todd Robertson, who was one of the guys that was there with you. Yep. And he's blown up his social media. So he's been he's been having a lot of fun with it. He's been on a tear calling out people who keep stealing his stuff, which is kind of amusing, but a topic for another time. Uh, but Another example is Luca himself. Luca is a very, very high energy coach, right? Everything you see on his media is hustle and grind and, and work ethic and charisma. Not everybody can be like that. So if you set out to think that's how you have to be to be successful, you're already going to quit before you start. You have to find your own version of, of that or be authentic to you and then define success on your terms because not everybody's ever going to be able to do some of that kind of energy. Yeah. So, and again, and I think that's the soul searching, right? Like this last year was a great thing about that of who are you? Who do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? And there's never been a better time probably in our history that if there was a time to switch or, or, or learn something new or change an industry, it would be now. And, and, and I've watched a lot of people do that and they're only going to end up happier, right? Uh, for instance, during my talk, I had a big breakthrough this weekend where there were professional coaches there, collegiate coaches there. And this one guy who's a legend in the industry, he got up and he said, oh, I'm just a high school coach. But he was receiving the Hall of Fame award because of his 40 or 50 years impacting tens of thousands of lives. And during my speech, I just said, hey, I want you to give permission to yourself that like what you did was great and, and it's okay. It was almost like he was feeling the pressure that he had never chosen to try to go to the college of the pros so he wasn't as valuable. And I want to make everybody understand that now that whatever it is you do, you're measured by the people you impact, but also you're just measured by yourself. And as long as you're happy, that that's good enough, right? Like that's the person you got to make happy the most, not everyone else. And uh, I don't know, I think people miss that, especially in the advent of social media now that we're always comparing ourselves to others. And a line I like to say a lot is comparison is the thief of your joy, right? Like, so man, look what Andrew's doing. Oh, well, if he's doing that, then I need to be doing this or, or uh, my life's not good. And now if you think like that, man, it's a uh, pretty scarcity, you know, another mindset, right? We went over growth, then there's scarcity and abundance. There's enough good and, and, and uh, authenticity for people to be who they want to be. It's infinite. So if someone else is doing good, that's great. And if someone else is becoming something, that's awesome too. And that doesn't have to do anything for you or you don't have to compare yourself to that in any way. And uh, man, and when people understand that, it'll take a lot of pressure off. And uh, especially at this day and age where people are just sitting there scrolling through their phones. And 
I'll take another twist on what you just said about the high school coach. A lot of people listening, they deal primarily in general population. Yeah. Yet they see you training Jim Miller, UFC fighters, Luca. God, he's got a steady stream of Seattle Seahawks in his facility, right? Pro NFL players. You know, Sam Pogue was another guy who was uh, presented at the uh, the 2017 event. You know, he works with Jake Arrieta in Major League Baseball, and I can go on and on through. You know, uh, if you know who Chad Landers is, Chad works with or Ben Bruno. These guys are down in LA working with celebrities, you know, movie actors. It doesn't mean that they've achieved some sort of great heights of the sport. It just so happens to be, it's both opportunity and where you want to go with it. But yeah. a lot of people, it, it, you're not in the minor leagues working with the general population. I prefer working with the general population, right? Yeah. I don't have a strong background in collegiate athletics, so I don't seek that stuff out. I work with some minor league hockey players and, you know, and, and other young athletes, but it, you know, that's not really my bread and butter. And it's not something I make as part of my brand and my media. So I really love being with and shaping the lives of people who are just, you would define as general population. And that's absolutely the coolest thing ever. It's also a really good place to be for most coaches. It can be very financially lucrative instead of chasing, you know, working with athletes, which you know, especially young athletes, they don't necessarily have the resources unless you're, you know, someone like Pete Dupuis with Cresty Sports Performance, where, you know, they have this reputation where they're, they're literally the destination for this type of stuff. So don't think that for a second that there's somehow something lesser about working with the general population. Yeah. Well, and to second that, every person that you named is a friend of mine. And every person that you named, especially me, if anybody knows about me, yeah, like, those are the guys you throw up on the social media when you're working with pros and stuff. But if I looked at my career, the super pro guys are about 1% of the 99% of people that I train. So training for warriors, where we have hundreds of locations around the world, that's general pop, right? But, but I don't even call it that. Like, I don't know, it's people. So remember, whether you're training a pro or you're training a housewife that wants to lose 100 pounds or a dad that needs to get off meds, like they're people and are you making a great impact and are you, and that is the most important piece. And I'll be honest with you too, training pros, there's not a lot of them. It's very competitive and those people are already very highly motivated. So you probably don't even get to use your skills. So yeah, I'm given not only uh, credit, but I want to empower all the people listening that there are billions of people out there that need our help. And there, and those people are not the high-end pro that has money and is super motivated and it will eat their shoe if it'll make them a little bit faster. So definitely, uh, yeah, to, so to agree 100%, but also to know, guys, that's what I mean about comparison. When you look at social media, people are posting the good stuff or the stuff that like is worthy of being noticed, which is exactly what you did, but you don't see you know, you don't see where the real work is happening or what's going on there either. So, so yeah, I mean, I, hopefully this is empowering for everybody, but what's the ultimate message again? Hey, choose the area you like, but ultimately once you've done that and found the intersection of your passion and, and where you want to be, then you got to try to make the greatest impact you can make. And that's, uh, that's what I try to do in my writing. That's what I try to do in my speaking. I just, I just want to impact as many people as possible now. And, uh, and, I don't, and I don't care who they are. And they don't have to be some Super Bowl champ to, to now only be the person that I'll work with. Now, you just said writing. You just said impacting as many people as possible. So that leads to the main reason why we're on here today is the new book. Yes. The book that's coming out. So uh, it's the follow-up to Coach to Coach, uh, yep. similar sort of theme. 
And uh, that one's on my bookshelf along with your uh, book, Warrior Cardio, an older one. But uh, the new one's going to be called High Tens. So I guess there's two questions that I'll let you run loose with here. One is, um, what does the book have in store? And two, uh, any of your thoughts about why you sought out to be a published author instead of, quote, just a coach who trains people? Wow. Well, hey, well, this, I'll start maybe from the beginning. I never sought out to be a published author. That was never an idea. I never sought out to be a speaker either. Both of those happened organically where uh, in the writing in particular, I started to get asked to do Q&As. I was one of the original Q&A members on EliteFitnessSystems.com. And then I became on the editorial council of Gracie Magazine. And that led to almost daily writing uh, you know, I eventually became a blogger for men's health, but I, it was almost like I had to write every day, answer questions, see what people needed. And it forced me to work on my writing. Those writings turned into self-published books. Those self-published books turned into big publishing houses seeking me out and saying, hey, do you want to do this for real? And then it's kind of funny. Even then, I still never called myself a writer. Like if somebody asked me, hey, or what do you do? I would, I would never say I was an author or I was a writer. But this last couple of years, I wanted to see how I could push myself. And the first one was Coach to Coach, which came out last year. And it's a fictional story that I use as a vehicle to get across my philosophy of what it means to be a coach. And even during the pandemic, that book did so well uh, that I said, man, I want to do more. I want to take it to another level. I want to write the sequel, but I want to go deeper. I want to be... So I started reading how to write better stories, reading, how to engage the, you know, so it was almost, it wasn't even about the message anymore. It was also about how, how can I write it, you know, really get into the craft. And over the uh, last six to eight months, I wrote another book. This is the the first time I'm showing a rendering of the new cover. So there, it comes out in a month, but I don't even have copies yet. It's called High 10 and where Coach to Coach was about coaching. High 10. (laughs) I got to get a photo of this. First time ever showing it off. Good. And uh, and the uh, high ten is not just about coaching, but it's how to how to use your coaching to create great culture and great team. And that's what I've really identified where I'm at my best. So when I started to say, well, who am I? How have I produced the results I've produced, or how have I built the businesses I've built? It was by creating an incredible culture amongst a number of people. And that's how we were able to survive and thrive during this really challenging time. So great culture doesn't just win championships, which we've done, man, great culture allows you to, you know, thrive during the greatest challenges. And, uh, and it couldn't be more timely now that it's coming out. So, so high 10, it's a hundred more pages. They wanted it to be bigger, better, badder. And, uh, and man, yeah. So it comes out on July 7th worldwide, you know, where it'll be released. And again, with a major publishing house. And uh, I couldn't be more excited because this is the first time I'm talking about it, but we have a month till it releases. You just fluked that I reached out to you to be like, hey, do you want to come back on the podcast? Oh, yeah. Guess what? I have yeah, a new and book. Hey, I got a new book because I've been, I've been in hiding writing it. It was, a, it was a pretty, again, arduous process. Hey, if somebody wants, you want to write a book, uh, you better be prepared to dig in and what, and what you're willing to put in on it. And this time I did the work. I studied kind of people I considered master writers and then, and then tried to replicate their processes, you know, all the way from Hemingway, you know, to Chuck P- 
Palahniuk, you know, so that, and that's a pretty wide range right there. Right. And, uh, and uh, man, it's like I said, I couldn't be more proud of this one. And I just can't wait again. Cause there was so much of a response from coach to coach, just knowing how it hit the mark that I just really can't wait to see what this next one does too. Cause this one, this one will help people, not just personally, but help them run their business, help them with their family. It's uh yeah, it's, and it's, an again, an easy re to read story where it's not something scary because I want to make books accessible to people again. I see your shelf. You, you're not afraid of books. You love books. Most people don't write books, you know, and I read books. And I think that's a tragedy where the, I just, just believe in just how our brains are set up and how we absorb information that I think everybody should have a book going all the time, right? And, uh, you know, way more than Netflix series, I'll tell you that. So... Uh, yeah. I've got a whole bunch of books going right now. I was going to say to everybody listening, especially where you described it as sort of a fictional story. And a lot of people like the, the, the self-help nonfiction. If in your travels, you've read the book, The Go-Giver. Yep. That's probably Absolutely. the best, the, the closest analogy I've got to what coach to coach is. It's sort of, again, it's that parable format. So even if you're hearing, oh, well, that's a story. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought I had it sitting right there. Yeah, it's I, I assure you guys, Go-Giver is a great book. Everybody should read that too. And, and they're both easy, accessible. They're not long reads. Coach to coach, you can blast right through very, very quickly. You can do it in a day with ease if you have the time. So if you like that sort of format and the Go-Giver especially, you'll really enjoy this. And to what you're just saying about reading, yeah, like this year, God, what do I have on the go right now? I, I've been diving through uh, Joel Jameson's uh, Ultimate MMA Condition. It's actually a really That's good book. That's a classic. It's actually one of the better, best books out there on energy system training and periodization. And again, a good read. I'm doing, uh, what, is, what is that one? Secrets of Successful Program Design. It's a newer, newer one by Alan Cosgrove and Craig yeah, Rasmussen. Another, That's really But these are all good friends of mine that you're mentioning right there too. Totally. Another class. And uh, I've got uh, Mike Isertel and his RP teams. Uh, I've got them all posted up here. I'm just trying to remember. Uh, Scientific Principles of Hypertrophy Trading. I never memorize all the titles. So I've got all these books going right now. Plus, uh, striking thoughts by Bruce Lee. I pulled this one out of uh, 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 the Almanac of Naval Ravikant, which is another great book, right? And I'm reading. You talked about reading stuff on writing. Murder Your Darlings by Roy Peter Clark. So I'm terrible for this now. Where I'll I'll be halfway through a whole bunch of different books, but I'll finish them all. And that's not everybody. Sure, pick one that you're interested in. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I decided this year. Okay, cool. I I was actually lucky to be really really busy the entire year anyway with work, right? But I thought, okay, I want to double down on, and grab a whole bunch of stuff that's just going to upgrade me. So that way, coming out the other, other side of this, I am further ahead. Because a lot of people, and again, I don't fault someone if they didn't, you know, dive into this stuff this year. I really don't. This is a challenging year for people. But we're going to have seen a lot of people in the industry who, who didn't put in this effort. They did upgrade themselves. We're going to see a lot of people who dropped out of the industry because they felt like, wow, I need to find a secure, stable you know, salary job somewhere. And, and that's a bullshit illusion because how, how quickly can you go from, you know, $100,000 a year to zero with a layoff or, you know, your business going under. So I don't necessarily think that's any safer than the unstable income we get as coaches. But there's like you, you alluded to this and I'll straight up say it. There's going to be a lot of opportunity going forward. I believe there's going to be a massive surge of people who look around at the devastation this past year and go, shit, I've gained 25 pounds. I don't feel like I used to. 
And anybody who's saying that gyms are dead, well, bad business models are dead, that's for sure. But gyms will thrive. The fitness industry is going to be one of the most in-demand entities and industries you could imagine. People will be looking for the, the classic shortcuts and they will be looking for you know, your Pelotons and your mirrors and, your, and your, your algorithms and apps, but they'll also be looking for coaching relationships and people who will be able to help them. And they may go from the, the apps and the, the devices and eventually find their way to good people. You need to be there to meet them when they're ready so that way you can help them. I, I agree a hundred percent. And that's, uh, we, we say it as the rain is coming, right? Like it's, uh, we've been waiting for a long time and I agree a hundred percent like, Hey, what did you do with this last year? Did you do, improve your business systems? Did you improve your business acumen? Did you, you know, what, how did you grow so that you're prepared when it all happens? And Hey, there'll be some people that did and some people that didn't, but for anybody listening, it's never too late, right? Like what's that old line? Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time is today. So, uh, and again, it's whether it's what you're reading, what you're studying, what relationships you're developing, all of these, if you're not spending time on those every day, uh, it's going to be very difficult to move forward, right? And uh, yeah, last year I read 140 books. This year I'm 50 in deep. Watch this. I'll take you on a little tour. I rarely do this, but I'm going to show everybody my pride and joy outside of my office. And that is my... Uh, what I consider my trophy case. We'll see if we can see this with the lights on, but that these are my this wow. bookshelves to get on this bookshelf. Let me see if I can get this light going too. to get out to get on this, these bookshelves and they are all filled out to have read it, read it, but I have a system before it gets put in here. So up top up there, uh, you can't see it so well. Those books this year, these are all the books from last year down below. And, uh, and again, that shelf right there, you could almost say there's about 2000 books on it. Um, you're looking at my brain right there, right? And I don't know, I, I really believe you are a product of the books you read and the people you meet and the seminars and places you go to. And in, if you don't rack them up and instead you rack up seasons of Games of Thrones, uh, don't be upset when you don't have what other people have. Right. And, uh, but I, and I don't show that to impress everybody, but, but impress upon them that it doesn't matter where you get to, man, I only want to learn more. Like the more I learn, I, the more I realize I don't know. And my third, it's almost like an addiction, my thirst for knowledge, or, or I have to read every day, or I feel like I wasted that day that I didn't grow, you know? And, uh, yeah, so definitely that could be another whole podcast on its own just how to read or how to select books or or how to build your library but i would definitely say that that you will be a function a bit of your library right so i guarantee andrew if you look at your library right now that that those shelves you're gonna be a composite of a lot of those things like it's gonna tell me a lot about who you are and what you know and who you're becoming and uh and the sadder part is now if i ask somebody to see their library and they don't have one at all then the answer is right there, right? So, you know, interesting. Yeah, I just panned up over the, my recently renovated bookshelves. One of my, one of my <laughs> best friends does beautiful work. And uh, Sony, I've got these uh, shelves now to, to display all these books. But I also have a lot on audio, audio as well. Now, I have decided to, anytime I find an audio book I really love, I go grab a physical copy anyway, just because I often want to go and read it again. And audio is, is a really useful tool 
um, you know, it's, it's a different experience reading versus audio, but it's a good way, especially if you have a lot of commute time or, you know, cooking or what have you, you can enhance, it doesn't replace reading physical books. And some things like, you know, again, Secrets of Successful Program Design, uh, Cosgo Grove and Rasmussen's book, you can't audio yeah. that book, you need yeah. to, to physically read it. So maybe you get something that's, you know, philosophical or just pretty straightforward stuff, something like Ryan Holiday's work, for example, you can easily do that on audio while saving your limited time for books that are going to enhance your coaching skills. Like do it, do whatever you got to do. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I also don't want anybody to feel who hasn't been able to start reading much yet. Like they're, they've done something wrong. Um, yeah. you know, some people don't learn, my, my girlfriend doesn't process books the same way other people as she finds it really hard. She gets headaches if she's looking at pages, but you know, find a way you learn. And maybe it's YouTube videos from some of the best people in the industry. And a lot of the coaching stuff that's out there, maybe it's listening to podcasts. I don't know, yeah, but I, as long as you're yeah. upgrading your skills. I agree. Hey, for everybody listening, don't wait, we're not doing that to make you feel bad. I guess I would say, Hey, what's your library? Is it a library of videos? Is it a library of audio? But, and Everything that I just showed you, those books, that's the last 25 years of my life, right? Like it started with one book. It started with one page and one page turned into 50 and 50 turned into a book. And then that book led me to another book. I guess the message is it's just, you got to constantly be developing yourself and every day is an opportunity to do that. And if you put enough days in a row that you do that, something great is going to happen. If you put enough days in a row that you don't do that, then you can't get upset when something great doesn't happen. Right. So, yeah. So my medium of choice is reading you're any, you know, somebody could be more auditory, more kinesthetic and, uh, and Hey, we didn't even get into, Hey, that doesn't mean now just read and you don't physically train or challenge yourself either, which I do every day too. So yeah. But what I am getting across though, is a book is a classic medium, but unfortunately most people, when they finish school, they, they almost have also finished reading books. And if you are somebody that can read it, man, I would recommend, you get, you know, you kind of get back into it and it, and it's as easy as getting back into exercise or eating well, and, and they will all help you grow. And it might be something as indirect as starting with like Harry Potter. And this sounds crazy because you know, Hey, wait a minute, that's fiction. That's not upgrading your education. Well, a little interesting fact that I'm pretty sure this came from John Romanello, another name from the grander industry uh, that I, I heard him say this, but if I'm not mistaken, the first Harry Potter book single-handedly reversed a multi-year over year over year decline in voluntary childhood reading. And then Harry Potter came along, zapped that trend, sent it upwards. And then what did Harry Potter do? It spawned uh, you know, your Hunger Games and your Maze Runner and ev- like all of these you know, teen book series. And all of a sudden you have kids and teens reading a shit ton more. Where does that eventually lead? Maybe to something like, oh, God forbid, I was like making fun of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, which I, I call the twilight of the, the self-help genre. Uh, but if that leads you to Ryan Holiday or Simon Sinek or any of these other, uh, Nassim Taleb, right? Any of these other really great writers who are going to expand your horizons. So I don't care where your starting point is. I just hope that people will focus on upgrading their skills anyway. And I've got something I'm working on. It's not published yet. I don't know where I'll publish it, probably on my website. It's going to be an article about how to get more out of your reading, you know, strategies like, and I'll just give you one of them, be, be able to drop a book 
You know, if you realize that, hey, this isn't valuable to me, or it's not interesting, or this author is has a talent for taking a simple concept and turning it into a massive book. Uh, a really popular book in the fitness industry a while back, a couple of years ago, was David Epstein's Range. Range is a really great book. It could have been written in one quarter of its length. Epstein really draws out a lot of his stories. And it's a really, really cool concept. It, it's essentially that it busts this myth that you need to be Tiger Woods as a two-year-old playing nothing but golf for your entire life and just focusing on this one thing and constantly mastering it. He destroys that myth. A lot of the most successful athletes, he uses Roger Federer as an example, who did and played a lot of different things. And then only in his early-ish teens really doubled down on, um, on tennis. So great book, simple concept. But if you get the concept or you just decide some book is just like, oh, this is mediocre. I abandon books all the time because I'm looking for things that upgrade me and I'm interested. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that's why a book, I always say, is an investment in your time. So you have to invest time before you even select the book. So I am very picky and choosy before I select one. And one of the toughest things for me, this happened this weekend too, is somebody gave me one of their books. And when somebody gives me one of their books, man, I feel obligated to read it. But that's a, that's a strong thing when somebody like gives you one because it's like, oh, wow, now I have to invest all these hours to read it because I feel like I have to. But, uh, but definitely, yeah, if it starts with Harry Potter, what does that also help you do? It gets, you, gets your skills going again. You're getting back on the bike. You're reading. You're comprehending. Maybe you're enjoying. So I always have something going from a fictional range. I just read uh, Guyman's American Gods. That's an 800-page monster. But I just did that to like, that's to more clear my head versus I'm reading another book right now called Burn, which is really neat about uh, metabolic rates and and the history of that studying African tribes. And that one's a little more arduous. So it's kind of, you find your balance, you find what you enjoy and, uh, and, the, and there's no judgment there. But what I am saying is, hey, look up what reading does for the brain. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be good stuff. <laughs> there's no doubt. And reading stuff like American Gods or Harry Potter is going to make you a better fictional storyteller because you are writing a piece of fiction that has- that's what I had to do. So I dove into, yeah, this last couple of years, I was never much of a fiction guy. And, uh, but I did enjoy a lot of biography, which is almost, again, it's a story and you see these incredible things, but yeah, I dove in and it really taught me much better how to write a story, how to tell a story, how do they do it, how to do it. And remember my books, it's conversations that made it really hard. These, this wasn't a textbook. These were people having conversations and how do you get it across and develop these characters? It was a very, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, it really was. And it, it took me to another level, but, uh, but there's so much out there waiting for people. You know, you could never even scratch the surface. There are 300 books, 300,000 books that come out every year. You know, so man, pick and choose very wisely because there's one out there that can change your life. You just have to find it. Totally. So I will, some, I'll let you finish up with anything, any thoughts, any wisdoms that you want to impart that's been burning a hole in your soul recently, something you want to share with the world? Hmm. Well, 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 hey, staying on the book thing, because I didn't mention this, and then I'll go to that. Hey, uh, for everybody listening, the book is coming out on July 7th. If you order it, uh, pre-order it before then, I've got the, this incredible offer that I've created. You're going to get 
uh, free downloadable PDFs on how to improve your culture, two chapters that were deleted from the book that I believe are essential that I will send them to you. And you, I will send you the link to an hour and 20 minute speech that I gave about uh, culture. Uh, and this is where the book came from. And it cost $500 to attend that event. But in order to get those things, you don't order one book, you order three. And why? It's because you get one for yourself and two to give away, but then you get, you know, say $750 worth of stuff for that. And, or you could just order the book and choose and get that one for yourself. But if you do do that and you send me the receipt to Martin at coachinggreatness.com, I will then write you back and send you everything. So I just wanted to make sure everybody heard that because this is the first time I'm ever talking about that too, but it's only for the next month. So it's only available. I am only doing that until it releases. And that's to, you know, create incentive for everybody to, to get a few extra copies and, and spread the word. And that would really help me out. But for biggest ideas, let's see, because I already did share some, that one big one that hit me last night about you're, you're a professional in something It's you know, you get to decide that something. Um, I would probably say that maybe the biggest idea, at least of what I've learned over the last year, is that the most important uh, thing, I might've thought it was, you know, oh, my fitness or oh, my writing or oh, my business. But what I realized is the most important thing that I, I guess you could say have or own was my relationships. And it was, whether it was relationships with my family, relationships with my colleagues, relationships with all the owners of the training for warriors around the world, when all of this happened, it removed all the other stuff that you thought was real valuable. It, likes on Instagram are not that valuable. Oh, how many uh, people commented on one of your posts? Not that valuable. Your relationships and the strength of those determined everything. And this was a cleansing year for me to really realize that and reinvest back into those. And, uh, and if everybody else didn't learn that, I'm hoping that you get that message right now and that you dig back in too. So if you're in the fitness business, like I say in the new book, you don't build memberships, you build relationships. If you are in the, if you, it's about your family, it's not about arguing or whatever else, man, it's about strengthening that relationship because at the end of the day, uh, that will be your most valuable asset. And uh, maybe that's my biggest breakthrough. I'll give a very specific example. So I mentioned how I saw you present in 2017. You and I sat down in a small group setting and you and I talked over dinner one-on-one. -on -one. And I still remember that because as you said about focus, you were very present, you know, and at the time you didn't know who the bloody hell I was. You didn't know that I'd have you on my podcast twice now and an ongoing invite. You'll be back. Or, or any of the other things that, that I would go on to write for some of the same publications you have. You know, I was just, you know, some young guy uh, that just happened to attend this event. Anyway, and you were extremely present and gracious and engaging. And I've never forgotten that, right? So you, it's the classic, you know, how you make people feel is still one of the most important things that we do on an everyday basis with not just our clients, but the, the people we randomly encounter. So you never know who who you're talking to, right? Yeah, you, you never do. And that goes for when you're working with your clients or kids, man, you could say something that could change their life or, or you could say something that could ruin it. And, and, and I think that's part of what coach to coach was about is it, remember it, it really, 
it, it, that's a big part. It shows you that, man, you never know who you're talking to. So you might as well try to say something great all the time and, and spend your time and invest. And uh, yeah, so that's actually, that's a great example right there because, you know, same thing like this weekend when I presented, there were so many people and I, I just love talking to people and, and, but at the same time, trying to figure out something you can give them some way you can help them. And if you always take that approach, man, it'll never fail you. And, and, but ultimately, like we said, but what was it doing? Developing a relationship. And then we know each other and then more great things happen. And, uh, and every day somebody should be trying to foster that. Right. And, and like I said, when it was all stripped away from us, it showed us how important it was, our, our contacts and our people and being around humans. We need that. And uh, so, man, don't undervalue it again when the masks come off and everybody's back together. Don't forget it because th that may be the biggest lesson of all. Martin, it's been great to catch up. Great to hear you. I always feel inspired when, uh, when I listen to anything you've had to say. So let's leave everybody with how they can find you, which of course then gives them another gateway to getting their hands on your book. Yeah. So, uh, Hey, I'm the Martin Rooney on Instagram. Uh, and a lot of people DM me. I always write everybody back. I'm, I'm Martin Rooney on Facebook. Those seem to be the the two easiest ways. And again, uh, the, the coach to coach book and high 10 are available now on Amazon or Amazon Canada, wherever you're listening. And, uh, and I look forward, you know, again, if you get it, write me, let me hear, I want to hear what you think, start that conversation, right? Like that's the stuff. Cause it helps us all get better. So uh, those would be the best places. And Hey, it was my pleasure to present today. And I hope you know, there was a lot of ideas in there. So I hope I hope choose one or two or three. Was it whether it's reading, reinvesting in your family, getting better relationships, whatever it is, there was something there for you. But none of it works unless you do something about it. There you go. Wise words. And for everybody who has been a longtime listener, again, thank you. I really appreciate you guys always tuning in week after week. And for anybody who just so happened to have found this, maybe, you know, the first time off of Martin's Media, well, Martin's been a guest before, so go back and check out his previous episode. And some of the names we've thrown around, you know, we've had, I've had Luca Hosevar on in the past. I've had Pete Dupuis and, and many more of the people we just talked about. So dive into my library and maybe you'll find some stuff that you really enjoy. And maybe you'll stick around uh, going forward because I'm always working on getting industry leaders and undiscovered gems from our industry. So thanks again, Martin. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, until next time.